0: This week in Arsenal, the Declan Rice saga nears its endgame, the Arsenal fanbase loses its few remaining marbles, Kai Havertz is set for a medical, and the Urien-Timber transfer advances. Let's get into it. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. And welcome in to this week in Arsenal episode twenty. It is well, my computer seems to think it's June eighteenth, uh, but it's actually June twenty fourth, um, uh, two thousand twenty three. Uh, sorry about the uh, the delay in uh, putting out another episode. It's been a bit of a crazy week. Uh, Sash has had you know some stuff going on, um, you know, work wise, and I actually took a vacation for a week, but. You know we are back with another illustrious guest. Um, you know uh, a friend of the show, um, someone that we're really, really happy to have on here. He's been featured in the uh, Guardian Sport, Times Sport, ESPN FC. Um, it is the one, the only Freddie Paxton. Freddie, how are you doing? <laughs>
1: well, firstly, flattered after that introduction. It, illustrious is some word, um, but no, thanks for, for thanks for having me. It's great to be on. Um, yeah, it's been a long time coming, um, and I know we were supposed to do this last week as well, so apologies for that. But yeah, it's great to be here.
0: Great. Uh, we're, we're, we're really excited to have you on. And I, um, I know I haven't had my coffee today because I completely forgot to introduce Sash. Um, so, Sash, I just, I just want to take the second to congratulate you on um, keeping your head over the last few days because... Um, <laughs> <laughs> it 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 feels like a lot of people didn't but sash how how are you doing sir?
2: I'm very composed you know more than ever despite some of the meltdowns I saw on twitter and in social media in the last couple of days. I'm really composed and super excited for the weeks ahead so yeah, in a pretty good mental space I'd say
0: glad to hear it and uh yeah again, that doesn't really uh go for everybody these days you know where Hitting the thick of transfer season, even though it's been open for only 10 days, uh, it feels like I've already kind of been through the ringer, mentally speaking. But, you know, I think there is a lot of excellent, excellent news to be had on the transfer front, despite, you know, what a what a couple headlines from DiMarzio might tell you. So I think today um, what we're going to do is just kind of talk through all the big kind of transfer gossip and, you know, the, the bigger links set we've been involved in, as well as, you know, maybe one or two potential departures that we've been linked with as well. So let's just dive in to the, the first one, probably the biggest one at this point in time, which is the Declan Rice saga, right? Didn't think, didn't feel like it was going to be a saga for quite some time. And then, you know, over the course of this week, you know, reports have come out saying that Manchester City were considering a bid, that bid was supposed to come yesterday, I believe uh never material actually no sorry Thursday is supposed to come never materialized it's been pretty quiet you know it's uh it, it's starting to look more and more like maybe West Ham's hand is a little bit more forced than they would hope it it would be and um yeah I mean Sash I just kind of want to turn this question to you first um you know what 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 have you made over over the last week or so you know in in terms of these quote unquote updates that have that have come on the rice front
2: you know something I always say this when you see a piece of information on the internet you need to analyze it not just look at it at face value the problem is people have looked at the headlines that West Ham expect a bid for Declan rice and immediately their minds have gone back to past transfers whether it's Caicedo uh, or Mudra and players like this, where we were like interested, but another club came in and like we ended up like not signing them, not Caicedo, but Vlaho, which I meant to say actually the January before. So that's what has happened again. People are again thinking that oh, City have come in, so we're going to miss out on the player. But you also have to understand something like Arsenal have done their groundwork on this deal. Some of these other deals, like Mudryk and players like this, it was in like the January transfer window. And yeah, we wanted the player. We were keen on signing the player, but it didn't happen. But this Rice deal, the foundations of it have been laid over several months. And we're not just going to like bottle it in the last second just because Man City supposedly came in. And for the second part of this, like you also have to understand that it is in West Ham's interest to have news out there that other clubs are interested in the player. You saw this, the news about Man City. Well, on Thursday morning, they said that a bid is expected uh, today. And I mean, it's two days later and there's no sign of the bid. So please, some of these journalists also need to come out because they've put out this piece that a bid is expected. So I asked them, where is the bid? Because I don't see any. And the same can also be said about the interest from Manchester United, which is absolute bollocks. It's come out of nowhere. And I think it's pretty clear (laughs) where it's coming from, from which person it's coming from, um, you know, and I think it's important to have that context in a sense of calmness. And also these Di Marzio reports, like with all due respect, he's an Italian journalist. Yeah, he gets certain things right from time to time. But come on, is he really going to get the exclusive on a player going from West Ham to Arsenal before journalists who cover like the two clubs in the English media? Absolutely not. We we need to like keep calm And also, I think during transfer window season, fans are scrolling Twitter every like 5-10 minutes, you know, seeking those dopamine hits. And the thing is, like, there are many journalists out there and there are a lot of like fraud ITKs also on this app. So there's a lot of information and a lot of them is false. And my only advice is trust the reliable sources, you know, and they will come... Uh, good in the end most of the time and I believe that Declan Rice will be an Arsenal player I'm really calm about this uh for me personally let's start worrying about other transfers because those are important like for example do we get another midfielder in if Thomas Partey goes do we sign a wide player that's where my concern is but on this Rice front I'm tranquilo
0: yeah the the information coming in has kind of um suggested that it's still in our hands and uh yeah, it is. It is very confidence-inducing. Uh, I mean, Freddie, um, how are how are you feeling about the about the Rice transfer at this point in time? Are you worried that the scales might tip a little bit, or you know, are you are you hearing or aware of you know Arsenal still having the upper hand here?
1: I mean, I think with when it comes to a big transfer that you obviously want your club that you support to to pull off, um, there's there's inevitably going to be a little bit of anxiety the longer it drags on. But I think we've got to remember we you know, although it might seem like it's been dragging on for a while, we're still very early into the transfer window and people should be encouraged that Arsenal have been so intent um, on getting their deals done early. It's something that we've always wanted to see Arsenal do more. Um, and, and finally, I think we're, we're starting to see that and, and, you know, the club are moving really purposefully. Um, I think, you know, I, am I confident that, that Declan Rice is going to become an Arsenal player? Yes, I am. Um, I think the, the facts of the matter Um, are very clear in that Declan Rice wants to play for Arsenal. His preference is to stay in London and to play for Arsenal, and that's not necessarily the key reason, just because he wants to stay in London. But obviously, as Sash said, um, Arsenal and particularly Arteta have been putting in the groundwork on this transfer for a number of months. They even explored completing it in January, and the player is under no illusions how much the manager wants him, where he could fit into the team and and how the manager envisaged sort of using him. So um, I think that's a really attractive thing for for any player looking to make a big career move to have, because it makes you feel more secure and also he's not going to have to up sticks and, you know, go to a different country to make it happen. So I think Arsenal are really in a really strong position. I think the next bid will be much more in line with what West Ham are looking for. And Arsenal now know that, um, of course, yeah, um, they still have the upper hand in this transfer. I think they know that. I think that's quite clear. Um, But they're also, you know, not stupid and they know that they need to they do need to act on this and they do need to act with purpose um, in order to get it done, because there is always the risk that, you know, if Arsenal, um, you know, rub West Ham up the wrong way, um, then. They could turn around and say, "Look, you know, we're not we're not doing business with you. We're either just going to keep the player or wait for someone else to bid, and then Declan Rice has to reconsider his options." So I don't think it's going to come to that. I think he's going to, you know, be an Arsenal player next season. Fingers crossed, and I and I think we'll see some 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 good developments on that in the in the coming days because Arsenal know they need to get it done and they want to get it done quickly.
0: That's encouraging, and um, yeah, I I I completely agree in terms of you know this idea that I think people, and we'll 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 kind of, we'll get on this later on in the pod, but I think people seem to have this idea that Arsenal are just willing to, you know, run themselves into the ground in terms of, um, you know, trying to get the best deal possible and, and, and low ball and get the price lower. And um, I think we have to give them a little bit more credit than that. Um, I just, you know, we're, we're talking about kind of the odds of Rice joining the team. And, you know, in the likely scenario that does happen... I just wanted to get your thoughts as well on Rice the player. You know, we've Sash and I have waxed lyrical on on this for for quite some time now about how uh, about how Rice would be a dynastic signing for us in a way where you know he would come shore up the base of midfield for years to come. He's probably going to be a future England captain. He's only twenty four. Um, you know, really good physical player. I think there's some good technical quality in there as well. Obviously won't be, you know, the most technically gifted player in the team by a long shot. But there's there's definitely plenty of raw talent for McKellar Arteta to work with there. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, how good of a player, how good of a signing Rice would be and the the impact that him joining Arsenal could have on the team moving forward
1: yeah well let's start with uh, just his impact as a signing because that's more simple i think it's clear that um any marquee signing like that where you have a player who is you know one of the most sought after in the market um is clearly sort of the best option that's being looked at by um, the clubs that could afford it or that maybe think it's feasible um which was obviously us at one point it was chelsea and man united you know city by munich um so when you sign a player like that Um, and you beat other clubs to the signature, it sends a message and obviously it makes the people internally at the club um, feel good. The players will, you know, will be boosted by that and they'll feel like, yeah, we're building, you know, we finished second last season. It looked for a long time like we could really go for the league title. I mean, we did go for it, but it it looked at one point like we could pull it off and, and we're not, and I think that the players would be encouraged. You know, we're not just sitting on that and being happy with that. We're now trying to go to the next level. So that's the sort of impact it can have in a sort of psychological sense. But then if you look at him as a player, I think, um, if I if I could say, say so, um, with respect, I think you did him a little bit of a disservice. But when you were talking about his technical quality, because I think actually you'd be surprised at how good he is technically. You know, he's both footed, really comfortable on the ball. And that's why he's been able to tr- transition from what he was originally, which was a cent- centre-back, into a central midfielder. Um, and so, you know, out of possession, we all know how good he is at sort of reading the game. He's got Real maturity and intelligence in the way that he breaks play up and that, you know, he puts himself about the pitch and he's obviously physically able to cover a lot of ground and he's athletic, which is a really key thing to have in the the middle of the pitch. Um, But then in possession, you know, he's able to be the one that launches those attacks and gets West Ham going. And obviously in that West Ham team. they haven't been very good this season to say the least they've been terrible but you know he still stood out and and over the years i think you know his composure on the ball and the way that he's able to start attacks um, and ha- has been really encouraging to see um from an arsenal perspective obviously because that's what we'd be looking for somebody to do um if, if they were to play for us and i think um the area that i would say he needs to improve on the most is sort of those you know those those contributions in the latter half of the pitch because i think it's all very well being um, a number six that can screen. But I do think actually that Declan Rice has got more to his game where potentially you could use him as a bit of an, an eight or a box to box player. But he would just need to improve that sort of efficiency in the final third. So I, I do think obviously his role would predominantly be as a number six or deep lying player. But I, I do think he's got the, the the capability to be a bit more versatile than people probably give him um, credit for. And then just to finish on, on the point of, you know, if you think of any great team, whether it was the Arsenal Invincibles or, you know, the United treble winners, they tend to have a really good, you know, more potentially more defensive minded player like a Gilberto Silva who can screen in front of the defence and can act as an absolute linchpin in the middle middle of the pitch and can help you, obviously, in a defensive way, but also in those forward transitions as well um, when you want to get going from the back. So I think any really successful team, especially in the modern day, City with Rodri, for example, look how good he's been. You need that sort of player. And I think that um, he would be an upgrade on what we've seen from Party with his inconsistency. Um, and yeah, so I, I think... I think it would, you know, it's a signing that obviously makes a lot of sense for Arsenal and it would potentially be a massive one for us.
0: Yeah. And um, I, I, I did undersell him a little bit there in terms of the technical quality. I mean, you know, I think to play our style of football, you need that a really high level of technical quality all across the pitch. You know, we're looking at yeah. our, our center backs and even our goalkeeper you know, being very, very, uh, skilled on the ball. So didn't mean to say that, you know, he's going to come in and just hoof the ball up the pitch, but, um, yeah, no, he, again, I think he's just an absolutely phenomenal player. And I agree with everything you said there in terms of what he's going to bring to the team in terms of, you know, being that linchpin and, um, in the center of the park and covering that space and, you know, just adding that additional defensive solidity that maybe we lacked, especially in the, the second half of the season. Um, Sash, uh, just to, you know, we've we've talked about this at length, but you know, just get your your thoughts on it. How, how do you, how would you feel about the impact that Rice joining Arsenal would have?
2: No, I think Freddie absolutely hit the nail on the head with everything he said about Rice. Um, but I also want to speak about the players' like leadership qualities and mentality because I think he has that in him, and I'm just contrasting it with a player like Thomas Party, who's obviously a really good footballer. But is he the guy who's showing leadership in midfield when the going gets tough? I'm thinking about the Southampton game at home, for example, where it seemed almost that he capitulated under the pressure. And he's not a guy who's vocal. He's not a guy who will organize those around him. And I think Declan Rice is a warrior and he he will definitely bring those intangibles, so as to speak, um, to Arsenal. And regarding the point on technical quality as well, I think fans are going to be really surprised as to how good Declan Rice is technically. Like, you have to keep in mind, he plays for West Ham under Moyes and Garrett Southgate's uh, England, two teams that love attacking like from out wide. And because of that, his role is quite limited. Um, and he's all he has to do is yeah, just keep the ball moving. It's not like he has players to play pick and find in between the lines in those pockets. Like at Arsenal, you're going to have Odegaard there, perhaps Howard's once he signs. Um, you you always have the dual eights who will be available to receive the ball. And I think you'll see Declan Rice bring out some of the more expansive traits on the ball. And as Freddie mentioned as well, he's much more than just a six who can sit and screen. I think there is an element to his game where I think this guy can also be phenomenal box to box and if you saw an interview he did um, I think it was with Yaya Toure actually he was like he idolizes Yaya Toure and he actually sees himself as a midfielder uh, like Yaya Toure who's box to box gets up and down the pitch and you also have to remember that Yaya Toure as a player was not always like this his role as well evolved because under Pep at Barcelona he, he played center back he played holding midfield and once he came to City, um, he almost was able to like bring out his natural game. He had the freedom to play. And I think Arteta will use him that way, at least to begin with. Um, that's what I think. I think he's the replacement for Xhaka, a player who can do what Xhaka does on the ball, but also has far more athleticism and is even better defensively. And I think in terms of pressurizing and in terms of the press, I think he'll be really good because he's so intelligent. He's He reads the game so well. So I can see him almost being that box-to-box ball winner. And yeah, I'm really excited for him of, to see him play for us because I think this is a dynastic signing. And if you don't get Jude Bellingham, I think the next best option, or not even the next best, best option, or the next option on that level is Declan Price. And the fact that Arsenal are beating off like some of Europe's top sides... To get him, that just tells you everything about Bar our project is, I would say. And, you know, we were never going to have a free run for a player like Declan Rice. Like the best players will always have the best teams in for them. And I think that is why Arsenal have worked on this deal for several months, because they know that it was it's not going to be easy to complete. But because of all the groundwork they have laid, I think right now it's yeah just about agreeing that fee and structure of the fee with West Ham. Um and he'd be an Arsenal player. I cannot wait, man. What a signing. Like this is a transformative signing. And two years back we could have never envisaged Arsenal doing something like this. So yeah, super excited for this one.
0: Yeah, it's um I I, I you know, I, I struggled to think about how a couple of years ago. Well, let me rephrase this. A, cu- a couple of years ago, we wouldn't even have been in this conversation, right? You know, back when we had uh, Rouse and Yehi running the show, back when uh, Unai Emery was manager, you know, back when we didn't really have this kind of solid strategy um, in terms of how we approach the transfer market and, and, and um, the targets that we pick and how we go about our business. Declan Rice I think would have laughed us off if we if we'd made an approach. So for us to now be the front runners pretty strongly for for these reports to be coming out saying that Rice only wants to come to Arsenal, you know, it's um it's it's pretty you know shocking in the best way possible, you know, just just to look back on how far we've come. So um that's it, it's it's really exciting.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And also I just want to say that like a lot of mainstream media pundits, they are saying Declan Rice should go to City because he's playing under Pep and they have like this team that has like won the treble and things like this. But obviously the reality is that he prefers a move to Arsenal and some people are wondering why and by some people I mean like some of the rival fans like why is he so desperate uh, for a move to Arsenal. So Freddie, I wanted to ask you first, why do you think that he should pick Arsenal over City or why do you think he has picked Arsenal uh, over Man City and what does this tell you like about where we are as a club right now and also the direction of this project that a player like Declan Rice is snubbing Bayern is snubbing City and saying I want to play under I want to play under Arteta and be a key part of this project what are your thoughts on that
1: yeah well I think if you if you look at someone like Declan Rice in the sort of Person that he is, from what I can gather and from what I understand from those who know a bit better than me. Um, you know, he's somebody who I think he's, he's clearly in love with football. Um, and anybody who has a bit of intelligence about them and, and loves football knows that Arsenal is a historic, um, traditional club um, with, you know, incredible history, and great values, great principles. And I feel like Declan Rice probably feels quite aligned to those values and those principles, especially when there's someone like Arteta at the helm who's. Done his absolute best to uphold those values and principles, and to demonstrate what the club is all about. And I think it's sort of that um, De- Declan Rice. I think he's somebody who can get invested in in that sort of thing. You know, look at look at what um, he's been like at West Ham. He's become their talisman. He's really bought into what the club is all about, despite the fact he didn't grow up as a West Ham fan. You know, I, I think he he's that sort of player, and I feel like he's been sold that sort of project, and he under really understands. Um, what's on offer and what it would mean to, to be an Arsenal player and I think that appeals to him um, and then in, in terms of um, you know what it says about where we are as a club yeah I mean you're, you're right I think if you I mean, if you consider a few years ago if Arsenal were to go for any of the we we just wouldn't have been in the conversation for any of the world's top talent, really. Like it was always sort of a pipe dream, and it was unrealistic to expect that perhaps we would we would be able to f- compete financially, or whether there'd be enough incentive in terms of our um, competitiveness as a team at the very very top level. But I think that that players these days would be under no illusions because there's there's that element of you know they shouldn't need to be convinced uh, to be to join Arsenal anyway because of that history and the tradition and what the club really stands for. Um, but also now there's the the sort of the other part is catered for well look we finished second in the league behind one of the best club teams that we've seen in this country um, and that we've seen ever really um, in terms of their depth and, and, and the resources that they've you know put into building that team so um, and, and, and we ran them really close and there's a feeling that with the profile of us our, our squad with the with the manager that we've got and just what we've achieved this season, um, and, and the leaps and bounds that we've taken in the right direction, that this this team is, is on the up. And so Declan Rice looks at that. He's 24. It's a club that he respects, a manager that clearly really respects him as a player and has made him feel like he'll be an important part of this. And his teammates are all a, the sort of profile of, of player and age that is similar to Rice in terms of, you know, they're all, they're all going to get better. It's a group that's growing together. He knows some of them from the England national team set up. You know, look at Bukayo Saka becoming one of the, the most important players for the national team. And Rice probably looks at him and thinks, yeah, I'd like to, I wouldn't mind coming to play with you at Arsenal. And I know that obviously City have got some, some, some great players as well. But if you factor all those things together, um, and then you also look at the aspect of, you know, he lives in London, he's got a young family, um, you know, the daughter a year and a half ago, or whatever it was, so probably doesn't want to move... I definitely wouldn't want to move abroad. It just it all just aligns, you know. To stay in London, Every, everyone wants to live in London. Um, so I just think it all aligns. It's it's um, it's no it's no surprise to me that that Rice would potentially favour a move to Arsenal over anywhere else. And and I think it's a lot of a lot of the time it's the social media fans who, yeah, like they think that football is all about. Um, trophies and like oh the city have just won the treble like yeah these are the sorts of people that started supporting man city five years ago or whatever they don't really know what it what it means um <laughs> so I wouldn't I wouldn't take much notice of people like that um and that's the way I see it
2: <laughs> no could not agree more my friend like also I think on a tangential point like one of the reasons I have a lot of respect for Mourinho even though he's like slandered us in the past is that if you look at what he has done in his career he's always taken projects where the team has not won for a while and then he's made them win so that challenge is something that i think even declan rice wants like to actually go to a team that's not winning and play like a key role in that project well i
1: agree yeah i I think sorry sorry to interrupt you yeah that's just reminded me of one thing that i wanted to say it was um and I wanted a bit of a rant about how great Arsenal are, but it's it's more, um, you know, I've seen, like, some of those West Ham fan accounts being like, well, I thought Rice was a mentality monster. Why would he not just want to go to... West City Ham Central, like his name is, yeah. by the way. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't really give a shit about who the, who the hell the guy is. Obviously, was a loser, but, like, it's like well it, obviously it points to the fact that he's got a strong mentality if he wants to go to a team that aren't literally guaranteed to win at least one trophy a season because of the amount of sheer amount of money that they've spent in the you know over the financial doping and all the rest of it like it's 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 surely shows you that he's got this an ambitious mentality if he wants to join a young team that are creating and building something a proper project a historic club and really contribute to that history and bring us back to where we deserve to be um that that is surely a, a, a clear indicator that he's got a good mentality and that he's ambitious as opposed to just taking what would potentially be an easier route to to some trophies. And I don't understand how people are so thick that they can't see that, but there we go.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think City are a soulless institution. They're, like, literally owned by a state and they have one or 110 allegations of, like, financial, like, fraud, like, from the Premier League and... Yeah, they might win the treble, but, like, there's no joy in that, you know? Like, even when they won the Champions League right now, like, nobody gives a shit. Like, they're like, okay, City won it. But when when Arsenal win it, yeah. So, when Arsenal win it, there's, like, meaning to it. Like, when we win the Premier League, like, London is just going to be filled with, like, Arsenal fans, like, not just from London, but people from around the world will come and celebrate and, like... I think that that is something that we have we like we actually are a proper like club with fans and that connection. I just don't see it with Man City personally, you know. And I think Declan Rice and even Jude Bellingham, I saw this report that Jude Bellingham rejected Chelsea City because he wanted to go like to a club which actually has some soul and heritage and meaning to it. And like you mentioned, the fact that Rice has chosen to come to us means that yeah, he has that. Um, he's a good guy who has certain values, and yeah, he wants to come and be a part of what we want to do. And I was just making that point about Mourinho because Mourinho goes to Porto, wins the Champions League, then goes to Chelsea, who didn't win the Premier League before, but wins them the Premier League, then goes to Inter Milan and wins them the Champions League, and goes to Madrid and breaks that Barcelona team's golden generation and ends up winning the La Liga with over like hundred points and. Like, I think this is something very, like, interesting about Mourinho. And I think it's going to be really relevant for even transfers because players, they want the challenge. So someone like Declan Rice, if he wins the Premier League with City, yeah, he gets the trophy. But does he get that recognition, like, from the fan base? Because he's just going to be one among several stars. But I think at Arsenal, if he comes into this project and is the player that is the reason that Arsenal win the league title after 20 years, I think even from his point of view, it's going to be like, he's going to have that legacy, you know? And I think that is super underrated because I think at the end of the day, as a player, why do you want to win trophies? Is it just to say that I won this many? But I think there's also like a deeper meaning to it. And yeah, I think that that's a huge reason why uh, rice is, uh, is choosing to join Arsenal. Obviously, he's been persuaded by Arteta as well, who can be very persuasive as we know. Um, but Sham, I just want to get your thoughts on it as well. Do you have anything uh, to add to this? Why would Rice pick Arsenal over City?
0: Yeah, I think the important thing is legacy. You know, um, and and it, obviously Arteta, I think, might have rizzed him up the way that Livy Dunn rizzed up uh, Baby Gronk, which is a reference I still don't entirely <laughs> understand. but. Um, yeah, I the the key thing is legacy, right? If um if Bukayo Saka wins a Premier League trophy with Arsenal, I think it's safe to say he has the better legacy than Phil Foden, even though Foden has four Premier League trophies, and that's and that's because what that trophy means. That's why we bandy around the uh, the Invincibles trophy all the time, the Golden Premier League trophy, because that that means something. That means something more. Than just going to a team with fifteen other guys who are all on you know um, disgusting amounts of money and being able to rotate and play thirty five games uh, games a season and be fresh and win all the trophies and 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 all that jazz. I mean just just look at how city fans are celebrating their first Champions League. It was it was honestly kind of pathetic. I you know. They're just standing there like, you know, waving their fists in there and going like, yeah, that's this is great. And that's it. That was the extent of the celebration. So I I think Rice is very cognizant of the fact that if he joins, you know, this this new generation at Arsenal and they go on to win, you know, Premier League or Champions League or, you know, fingers crossed both. You know, that's that's how he's going to be remembered. He's going to be remembered as a guy who came back to Arsenal a, you know, with all due respect, fallen giant, a slumbering giant of some, of some sort, and he led them back to glory for the first time in 20 years. Um, you know, I think that's a much better legacy than joining the richest team in the world, coached by the best manager in the world, and just, you know, walking to two or three trophies every season until, you know, he leaves for a new challenge. This is the new challenge for him. So yeah. um, I I think that's the main thing. And I think that's the most persuasive thing, you know, obviously as Freddie alluded to earlier, it's, it's also convenient because he has a young family. He wants to stay in London. Uh, That's where his, you know, that's where his, his whole family is based, not just um, you know, his wife and his wife and kid. And yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I think it really just comes down to what sort of player you are. And, um, you know, if you want to take the money, if you want to take the easy trophies, that's that's fine. I'm not going to knock it. You know, do what you got to do. It's a short career. But if you want to aim higher, if you want to, you know, really be a part of something, then I think Arsenal is the best place to go right now. Um, and it's it looks like Rice is very keenly aware of that.
2: No, absolutely. I'm really happy that we're actually having this conversation because we're providing a lot of context, a lot of logic. But as we briefly touched upon at the start of the podcast, Arsenal Twitter was like, oh, my God, I such a huge meltdown on Thursday. And, oh, Edu must be sacked. And look, I'm not a huge fan of Edu myself, but saying that he should be sacked over this signing, but we are actually in a really good position. Like, I just don't get it. And Freddie, I just wanted to ask you this actually. Why does our fan base melt down so easily? Like, is it because of the past or is it because people are just looking for something to mourn about? Like, I just didn't get it. Like, why?
1: Um, Well, I think in general that social media is just full of idiots, isn't it, really? Um, let's be honest. <laughs> um, and I think a lot of the time that people react idiotically to things because. A lot of the time, I think that yeah, like they're just looking for something to moan about. I think that um, sometimes they just enjoy disagreeing with other people and having a reason to sort of start a bit of confrontation with someone who has one viewpoint, and so they can sort of take an a, take an alternative one. Um, I also think that sometimes it's 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 um, young kids, so they 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 can be quite emotional and don't really understand um, how football works, or perhaps haven't developed sort of real logical reasoning uh, which sounds a little bit patronizing but I mean yeah a lot of the reactions that I see to things I, I tend to assume are from teenagers who have you know football players as their profile picture and um, <laughs> you know react in a certain way to things so I think I think look Arsenal fans have developed a certain re- reputation on social media because we're probably the most active fan base on social media, you know, we have a massive worldwide reach. Um, and, and the Arsenal community online is great. And it's funny. Um, and obviously, I'm being lighthearted when I say that, you know, everybody's an idiot. But yeah, there are some idiotic reactions to things. And I just think that sometimes it's probably for effect, some some people do it just to just to troll and just to have a bit of confrontation. And others are genuinely just, you know, they, they perhaps, <laughs> they just really want Arsenal to pull off a signing, they get a bit frustrated, they want to vent that those frustrations without really thinking it through. and opinions tend to change day to day right so one one day they're yeah moaning about one thing and the next the next day they'll be they'll be moaning about about something else that contradicts what they were moaning about the day before so um i mean it's, it's something that i try not to look too much at to be honest with you i don't really scroll, scroll through twitter that much anymore for those reasons um, <laughs> so yeah i mean i trying to provide you a, a reason as to why people act the way they do um, in 2023 is, is probably, I'm on a hiding to nothing there because it's impossible. Um, but those, <laughs> those, are, those are my rambling thoughts.
2: Yeah, you know what? I was actually telling Sham uh, yesterday that I think I'm going to do a one week uh, social media detox, like Twitter detox, because all I, all I was seeing on the timeline was negativity, was abuse, and over something which is not even like confirmed, you know? and i found that like super frustrating maybe i'll still take a break for a few days because like it's just annoying when you open this app you want information and all you see is like fans moaning so sham i want to ask you what is your solution to this like how do you deal with stuff like this do you take a break of twitter or do you try to convince some of these fans that no, they're thinking like with their heart and not with their head how do you go about this
0: um, I mean I'm I'm a bit of a psycho, so I can't I can't really stay away from from Twitter for that long. But what I the compromise I make with myself is if if I'm going to be online while all that nonsense is happening, then I'm going to put myself somewhere where I know there's going to be at least some modicum of sensibility, um, which typically means just hiding away in the group chat ta- in the group chats and um, in the whatsapps. Uh, until things blow over but you know I I used to want to try to reason with people about this kind of thing and then it's just a combination of some people can't really be reasoned with some people kind of let their emotions envelop them in this impenetrable armor of ignorance that you can't really get through with logic and um sometimes uh that and, and, and sometimes it's just you know a brand new group of people that you have to explain things to all over again. So uh, it's not really worth the effort. But I, I wish in a in a perfect world I you know I think Arsenal would put someone in front of a camera and basically say this is what the negotiations process looks like. And um, it, it's especially frustrating for me because I work in a comparable um, line of work. Uh, it's not in football nothing like that but um you know I do I handle negotiations for a living right as as a a big part of my job and I, I I you know when I see people say stuff like why are we wasting time on Havertz we need to get rice done it's just really funny to me because um you, you you can't just wait until one thing's done and then move on to the next, right? You have to you you have to kind of be efficient with your time. You have to work on things that you know uh, concurrently. Uh, if if you fire off a bid for rice, which you know by the way is just it's just a communication, it's just a formal offer, then you wait until they regroup and you know they have internal conversations about their counter offer, whether or not they're going to accept your offer or whether They're going to leak to DiMarzio that Manchester City is going to bid for your player, whether they're going to call up Manchester City themselves and ask them to bid, you know, all this stuff. Um, So in the meantime, you go and get your other stuff handled. You go get Havertz done. You go work on Yuri and Timber. You go see if you can do Moises Caicedo or otherwise turn a Romeo Levia. And then you get Rob Holding out the door. You get Thomas Party and Granite Xhaka and, uh, you know, maybe Sambi Laconga out on loan. There's there are so many plates that you have to keep spinning in such a short amount of time and i think people just don't really wrap their heads around it because they they get very over emotional so um yeah i you know i i just try to shrug through it i'm sure one day i'm just going to have to delete the app and go on vacation for a little bit and come back at the end of the transfer window but um yeah that's 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 personally what i hope in a perfect world would be the case. Yeah, you make a
2: really good point, actually, about, um, you know, fans saying that, why are we going for Havertz? Let's focus on Rice. Because, firstly, we risk missing out on both the players if we just go for one and end up not signing that one player. Maybe Bayern or some other team come for Havertz. Also, Chelsea have that restriction where they need to sell before 30th June to balance the books. And, yeah, I think Arsenal capitalized on that and wanted to wrap up Howard's um, early on. And that's why we went for Howard's right now, because I think otherwise he goes for 75, 80 million. So I actually think we got a really good deal on favorable terms um, for Howard's. And I think we should now speak about this signing, if I might say so, because it's everything is done. Um, obviously um, the understanding is that he did his medical in Spain, that's what people seem to hint at. And it happened yesterday. And yeah, he's set to be announced as an Arsenal player next week. So that's something uh, to watch out for. So £65 million fee. Uh, I know a lot of fans initially were saying, ah, it's a bit excessive. But Freddie, I firstly want to get your thoughts on Howard's the player. Is he better than what we actually saw at Chelsea? And also, would you say that the price of £65 million is worth it for him because I know there has been a lot of um, debate on this on the timeline. A lot of people are wondering what does Arteta see in Havertz. But a couple of years back, I think most of us would have taken Kai Havertz at Arsenal. It's only because his spell at Chelsea didn't go as expected that maybe his reputation has been tarnished a bit. What are your thoughts? I think
1: to answer the question in a very blunt way about whether he's better than what we've seen of him at Chelsea. I think the answer is a resounding yes. I think even Chelsea fans who would maybe question why Arsenal would want him or are claiming that they're happy to see him join Arsenal because he's been so bad at Chelsea would, would also tell you that, of course, he is a better player than what he's shown at Chelsea. Um, I was speaking to my friend, Luke, recently, who is um, is German, and he recalls a time where, obviously, Havertz was, was at Leverkusen and was having such an incredible impact um, and he remembers the 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 sort of um, the atmosphere in the country. His reputation in the country was very much one of like, okay, this guy is the next best thing. Like he is the next big German talent that everybody was really excited about. I think he's got some really good qualities. Obviously, his his ability on the ball, um, also. Um, you know his sort of football intelligence is really high and I think he fits Arsenal in that way and I do believe as well that actually physically he doesn't get enough credit I think if you look at his actual running numbers his stats um, they are really good and physically he does actually get about the pitch although he's not actually yep. like a sort of physically imposing sort of um, profile in, in in terms of his actual body um, and I think people often sort of get it twisted that, that he's some sort of like weak pushover which actually isn't the case if you if you ever watched him properly Um, And I also just think like in, in this Arsenal system, I can see him being really useful in numbers, number of positions. If you look at all the super teams of the world, if let's use Man City as an example, again, versatility is something that's really really important and that's something that arteta have tried to has tried to do at arsenal with the the players that we've signed you look at how he likes to interchange and and allow players sort of you know that interchangeability in their positions it makes you less predictable as a team um and i think that's going to be really useful and something that Havertz definitely brings to the table and i can see him sort of arriving late into the box on uh you know to meet cutbacks from the likes of Saka and martinelli and um and 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 hopefully being a real goal threat for us depending on how he's used i also think he could be really useful in that midfield role that's going to be left vacant when um when Xhaka goes uh, to germany so um, I'm really excited by the signing. And then money wise, I think people are often, um, you know, they'll look at the fee and they'll be like, well, I thought we were going for rice. And, you know, is it going to um, implicate us if we if we spend so much money on, on habits? Are we then going to not be able to, you know, raise our bid for rice or potentially like, you know, make other signings? So I think naturally people just see those numbers and they worry a little bit because we're used to seeing Arsenal quite restricted in terms of budget. But obviously in recent years, we've been able to spend quite a lot more money. So, so I think, look, I agree with you, 65 million, I think is a reasonable price for a player of that profile and there'll be many other clubs that are willing to pay that if arsenal don't um you know so i, I personally think that um this is this is a really good signing i'm excited by it I'm, I'm really intrigued to see how he does and obviously if he does the same as what he's done at chelsea then obviously it's not going to be a great signing but i do believe that he's got the potential to do much much better than that and do well at arsenal and i think again it's one of those where it's just lovely to read like you know, a really um, established top level player, although he hasn't had the best time at Chelsea. But, you know, sought after player is like, no, I want to join Arsenal. There's not even a discussion to be had here. Like, let me go there. Like, I want to go there. And it's just been a really easy deal to complete. And I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing him in an Arsenal shirt. It's always nice to have players that want to play for the club. So, um, so yeah, overall happy.
2: Yeah, I could not agree more with you, um, especially your point about like his adaptability to multiple roles. I think that's something Arteta values a lot. Because if you look at the players in our front three as well, Trasad has played in all three positions for Arsenal already right, left, and down the middle. Saka has played left wing and right wing. And in the past, he's also played in the attacking midfield position. Same with Gabriel Jesus, flexible, adaptable. Martinelli as well can switch between centre forward, left wing. And I think this fluidity is really important for the way we set up because... I think what Arteta wants to do is to allow players to play with freedom, but also within the rules of positional play. So, for example, if Martinelli moves into the centre-forward position, Jesus will move uh, to the left. And I think what Arteta is looking for is basically players that are ki- that are comfortable in different zones uh, on the pitch. And I think Kai Havertz is definitely a player like that. And... Also, one interesting thing that I found about Kai Havertz when looking at his clips from Leverkusen is that a lot of his goals that he scored were when he was actually making runs from slightly deeper position. Um, and I think the problem with his time at Chelsea is that Chelsea have used him as a centre-forward. And Chelsea haven't really had any like creative players to begin with. Like, yeah, Mason Mount... To an extent is creative but i would still say he's more of that box-to-box type of player and he cowards did not really get the kind of service at chelsea that maybe he would get at arsenal uh, you know with the likes of odegaard saka jesus and players like this um who all are very what to say players that make those around them play even better so i think at arsenal he would get more chances that's the first point and the second point is, I think the way Arteta will use him is use him maybe slightly deeper. Uh, and as you said, get him to attack the box. And I think his goals at Leverkusen comes when he's unmarked and people are not sensing uh, like the danger. And He makes the third man run into the box. And because he's quite big, his frame is quite big, um, he's able to finish. And I also think his heading is really good. Um, and I think that will be very interesting because the way Arteta sets this up, The right-hand side of the pitch is actually what I would say is the creative side because you have the Sakas, you have the Odegaards um, on that side of the pitch. And on the left-hand side of the pitch, you have Martinelli making those vertical runs infield. And you will also have Havertz. Now, I think we plan to use Havertz um, in the left eight role. That's where I see him playing for us. Maybe he could play a bit at centre-forward as well. But the way I see Arsenal using Havertz this year as a left eight Um, Maybe he does not have the defensive quality of Shaka, but as Freddie explained, I think he has good um, off-the-ball attributes still. He has a good work ethic about him. And I think having someone like Declan Rice as the screen in that sixth position, um, I think it gives us good defensive stability. So really excited and more than anything, it gives us multiple options. And I think that's what Arteta wants, to be unpredictable. To be able to switch things up based on the opposition to an extent, um, and have options basically. So yeah, I'm I'm really buzzing about this signing. Fits the age profile, um, and if anyone can revive Kai Havertz's career, I think it's Mikel Arteta. So super excited about this one. And yeah, Sham, what are your thoughts on it? Do you also view it the same?
0: Yeah, I think um, I think Chelsea have developed a pretty funny habit of signing extremely promising players and then abruptly ending their progression as footballers you know I think um obviously that happened with Havertz we saw with Christian Pulisic you know he was hailed as the LeBron James of soccer hasn't really kicked on since then um you know it's definitely definitely a better career than Freddie Adu had but still um a little disappointing in terms of the best American player in our history um there's that we all know what happened with Mikhailo Mudrik. He came in and then, you know, proceeded to fall off a cliff in terms of his form. So, you know, I I, I think I've always regarded Havertz as, a, as an extremely talented player, but Chelsea just, again, they're not good at using players well. They're not good at, um, you know, developing them and helping them progress um, as talents. So for us to be linked with him, I think it's, I think it's really smart. Um, I'm I'm a little iffy on the fee, but you know I, I think the player himself is a great acquisition, and um, like you guys said, you know he's he's six foot three. He's stronger than he looks. Uh, he's very versatile. I I do agree. I think we're gonna play him mostly in that left eight position, but he can play center forward. He can play on the right if need be. Um, he offers us something of an aerial threat now, which I think we've. We've really lacked up front, and um, you know, I, I, I just think about so many times this past season where we would spam crosses into the box, and the only two guys to meet it would be Gabriel Jesus and Gabriel Martinelli, which is, you know, I don't think an efficient use of crosses. But, um, yeah. So I think he's a really good player, and you know, if you look at the stats, he's he's a really good passer, one of the best passing attacking players. Um, his defensive abilities, I think, are also really interesting in terms of you know the tackles he wins, um, you know the passes that he can blocks, um, you know tackles, interceptions, um, and then I think he's also you know really secure on the ball um, in all the thirds, right? Um, which is which is really useful for us because again, you know, we're trying to uh, control matches, we're trying to sustain pressure, and I think a big part of that is being able to hold on to the ball in final in the final third so I think Kai Havertz will will come in and be able to do that as well so you know maybe the one concern is that he hasn't exactly been a prolific finisher over the course of his career Um, but again I you know I love I I I love the idea of you know acquiring post prime or sorry not post prime post hype players um, which is something that we've seen Arteta and Arsenal do on, on a pretty regular basis so far. I think Odegaard is probably the key example of that. And I think Gabriel Jesus might also fit into, into that bracket as well, where we just go sign these guys who, you know, were once um, kind of hyped up as one of the best best players in their position. I think Havertz was hyped up as a future Ballon d'Or winner. And then, you know, we we, we come in after things haven't quite worked out for them and we see if we can, you know find a bargain there and build that player back up into what they're supposed to be. So I think it's a really smart signing in that respect. But, um, Freddie, I just wanted to get your take on, you know, where exactly you see Havertz coming in and playing. Do you think he's going to come in and be that false nine or a center forward for us? Or do you think he's going to, you know, directly replace Shaka and play in that left eight position?
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be most most probably and most prominently um, a replacement for Shaka in the left eight role. Uh, and I do think that the intention is obviously to have Rice, as Sash said, as that screen behind, um, so that we've just got a bit more stability there. And obviously, um, yeah, Havertz will have a, have a similar role to what Zaka had this season with sort of roaming and, and, and being sort of present in the in the final third. Um, but I do think we will probably see him used as an option as a false nine. I think, again, you know, we've been crying out for some, some more options out wide as well, which he can do. Um, and deputizing that way, so I think it just gives us a lot of options, and and off, you know, it's it's a much more effective way to go than signing a, um, a player or two per position when you can have someone that can cover three or four different roles. But yeah, I do think the main one is going to be that left eight one.
0: Yeah, and um, I'm I'm pretty excited if it is the left eight position. I, I you know I I think we'd have to see pretty conclusive evidence that it's not that at this point, just because you know i think historically havertz has operated pretty well as kind of a second striker and you know i'm at least my guess as to what the plan here is you know is is to have him kind of play off jesus more and again you know arrive into the box late but especially in you know off the ball in that 442 that we like to play i think it's going to be havertz and jesus who are going to lead the press whereas last season it was jesus and odegaard leading the press so I think what you know it's gonna be Havertz and Jesus leading Odegaard kind of dropping into you know that first bank of four uh alongside Rice and um yeah I'm pretty excited about that but I'm also pretty excited about you know that that potential for Jesus and Frit and um and, and Havertz to kind of play off each other for him to get into the box late for him to combine with you know Martinelli and Odegaard um and and Zinchenko probably as well. So yeah, I, I think there's just so much, um, you know, really deadly attacking potential in there that I'm really excited about. Um, Sash, do you do you have any um, any any thoughts as to how Havertz is going to be deployed?
2: Yeah, so I actually think Havertz at the start he's going to play um, more. I think as like the left eight, I would say. But I don't think he starts for Arsenal straight away. I think what Arteta will do is he will play Declan Rice in the left eight role to begin with. And he will play maybe Jorginho or Party at the number six position. And I think eventually he will transition it. I don't think Arteta, right from game week one, is going to make two huge changes to our midfield. I think it's going to be a gradual transition. And I think finally, Howard is going to play left eight, Declan Rice in the number six role and Odegaard um, as the other midfielder. Um, and as you mentioned, I think, yes, that Odegaard and Rice when in our off-the-ball defensive shape, which is 4-4-2, I think both of them are going to be the ones um, screening. And I think this will suit Havertz as well because he will almost be the second striker off the ball. Um, and as Freddie mentioned, he's he has a good intensity about him and I think he can pressurize uh, opponents really well from that position. So I think he will fit in really well into what we want to do. And also if, if Gabriel Jesus is injured, Havertz can always fill in for us uh, up front. So gives us a lot of options. And yeah, I think I'm super excited about that because we don't have a fixed formation, fixed players playing in fixed positions. It's so dynamic and I think that unpredictability is really important because I think this season, because of a lack of squad depth in certain areas, we were really predictable. And I think Arteta is looking to change that for next season. So I yeah, can't wait for this signing and really excited to actually watch him Like because there's an air of mystery around him. Everyone, and when I say everyone, I think it's like Chelsea fans and some of the rival fans, they expect him to flop. But I think we've been here before with signings Arteta has made, whether it's like Ramsdale or even someone like Odegaard, who in his initial loan spell, I think he had like one goal and like one assist in like some 10 appearances. And people were like, no, don't sign this guy, sign Madison. But I think Arteta obviously knows a lot more than some of these people and we have to back it. And I'm super excited personally to see um, what Howard's can do. But on that note... I think we can now take a look at the foundations of the team um, and, and we have to start, I think, with the defence. Obviously, last season, towards the end of it, I think Rob Holding coming in cost us uh, in a few games and Arteta's is obviously really keen to make sure that that does not repeat itself. Mm-hmm. And that could explain the links uh, to Judy and Timber. And I thought the links came absolutely out of the blue because there was not a whisper about Arsenal interest. So... Really good on the club to keep this one under the wraps. And yeah, all the voices point that he is expected to be an Arsenal player, that he's really sold on our project. And yeah, perhaps it could be 40 million euros, something in that range uh, will be interesting to see. But yeah, I expect Arsenal to get this one uh, over the line. And Freddie, I want to first get your thoughts on the player. How good do you think he is? Because for me, at least when I look at him, I cannot think of a player who's more suited to play inverted right back because he's not the most imposing defender. He has this low center of gravity, but he's also played a lot as the center back in his career and he's really good on the ball, so he's able to tuck into midfield when required. Like I just think he would be so perfect for us personally. Like I think Arsenal have done phenomenal research to actually find him because to find a player for that inverted Right back or left back role is not so easy because it requires a very specific skill set, and Ajax have not always used Timber like that. So there's an element of projection from Arsenal's side to say that yeah, this guy has the attributes to do it, and perhaps when he joins us, he will be able to replicate that. So I think it's really intelligent scouting. But Freddie, I want to get your thoughts on the player.
1: Yeah, I I think he's a good player. I think he's athletic. I think he's obviously got the right skill set to um to be that inverted sort of right back that we um that I think Arteta really is looking to achieve in the same way that you know we have on the left hand side with with Zinchenko to give the team more balance and to make us less predictable um you saw how effective it was especially in the first half of the season the way that Zinchenko played but obviously teams quickly sort of adapt because they know that you're going to play like that but if you also have that asset on the right hand side um more than we currently do in Ben White as good as he's he's been and as brilliant as I think he is um at other things, um, I think that that adds a, a real unpredictability. I, uh, I enjoyed, Sash, you, you referring to, to Timber as having a low centre of gravity just because obviously I know you personally and uh, he's, set, he's certainly a lot bigger than you and I. Um, yeah, he's, yeah. Uh, he's, <laughs> we're not the benchmark, are we? <laughs> <laughs> no, not quite. No, I don't think five foot eight is exactly the, uh, yeah, sort of <laughs> professional footballer height, especially for a defender. Um, but no, um, I think, yeah, he's, what, about six foot, I think. and. Um, yeah he's, he's definitely got a bit about him. i think he, i think he's um i think w- what it is in, in terms of his athleticism that really stands out to me and I, I do see what you mean you know he gets about the pitch well um i think yeah technically obviously very good as players from ajax usually are that's their style that's how they're um you know sort of raised to play um so i can see why i can see why the club really want him i think again yeah intelligent scouting um i also found it very funny that um he was invited by Man United supposedly to watch the FA Cup final at Wembley, and all, all, all the while he was having talks with Edu and Co, um, which I found very entertaining. So, yeah, look, I'm not gonna. Um, he basically used
2: that. United for a nice day out. <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah, they paid. They paid for his dinner, but I, I, um, I. I'm not gonna sit here and claim to be an expert on all things Dutch football or Timber himself, because I'm not, but yeah, from what I've seen, I like him. And I think um, I think we've touched upon it slightly already, but a key thing here for me is that if, if Arteta really wants a player and the club, are like, yeah, this guy fits the project, then I'm more than happy to trust that. And I, I'm more confident when I hear about these kinds of things now, um, and I think we all are as Arsenal fans, um, than I have been for many years, because I think we're all sort of aligned that when Arteta, Arteta wants a player, He's earned he's earned um the the right for us to be like, you know, yeah, fair play, like we trust it. So um so yeah, on the whole, encouraged and, and again it, it's nice to see that we're sort of we've got our areas of priority. We know what we want, we know what sort of thing we're looking for and we're and we're going for it. And all these players seem seem keen to come. So so yeah, pleased on the whole.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And also I think last summer we wanted Lissandra Martinez to play the inverted left back role. Unfortunately, Uh, We ended up missing out on him to United. And look, Zinchenko has been really good for us. But I still think having someone like Lissandro who's better defensively, I think that's what Arteta was looking for, that extra defensive solidity. And I actually think Timber can bring us that. And I'm really interested to see where he plays. We obviously discussed that. um, But I think, again, he's another player who's adaptable to so many different positions and Yeah, I'm just really curious to see where Arteta feels him. The good thing though is that like having players who can do this, so someone like Nathan Ake, if when he first came to City, he was playing as a center back or he was on the bench. But now as Pep evolved his system, suddenly he plays as the left back. And turns out he's one of the best inverted left backs in the league uh, last season. So I'm very interested to see how players' roles evolve. Like even Ben White. He started off as centre back, then moved to right back. I'm really interested to see what the consequences of these signings are for the others in the team from an evolutionary uh, standpoint. But I guess the one thing is we have options, and that's the most um, important thing. Sham, what are your thoughts on Timber? Do you also see it the same way as Freddie does?
0: Yeah, I um, yeah. So I I also will claim will not claim to uh, to watch that much of the Dutch league or, you know, be that big of an expert on timber, but, um, you know, just like a quick look through his, um, his stats and, you know, looking through kind of videos of him, um, you know, in action, just, just crazy, crazy looking player. Um, I've never seen on FB ref so many stats in the 99th percentile before. Um, and, and it looks like, you know, he, he really can do, both progressive passing and progressive carrying to you know an elite level obviously those numbers are probably skewed a little bit by the fact he plays in the Dutch league which isn't exactly um you know well known for um for producing you know amazing defenders on a, on a regular basis but um yeah I I really like the I really like that move because again he's he's another young player I think he's 22 21 maybe and um yeah, he just seems to have crazy technical ability, and um, you know, good physical quality. He seems to have some um, some defensive quality about him as well. Which I, you know, I agree on that Zinchenko front, where you know, I think Zinchenko was a, was a great second choice backup option for for the Lisandro Martinez move. But at the end of the day, that's kind of what you're sacrificing there is Zinchenko that defensive solidity, um, you know, that that ability to defend in transition. To you know, defend one v one. It's not. It's not really Zinchenko's bag, which unfortunately we saw a few times um, during the run in. But I do like this idea of bringing in Timber to be the inverted right center back. Because one thing that I've been wondering about, you know, since it became pretty clear or you know pretty evident that we are the front runners for Rice is. How how are Rice and Zinchenko going to play in the same team? Because I feel like they occupy very similar areas. So you know, to bring in that inverted right back to kind of play next to Rice on the right hand side and let Ra- Rice occupy the left hand side, um, I think that makes a lot more sense. I'd be interested to see what we do with that back three. You know, if we do end up playing that that um, that three two in build up and. Um, maybe that means Kivior comes comes in as a left back. Maybe that means uh, we actually do play like a back three with White Saliba Gabriel. Personally, I think that second option isn't as likely. Um, but yeah, I, I you know at the end of the day, what I'm looking for there, there there are two things I'm looking for from our transfer window. The first thing is quality. Right. I think we need to bring in that extra quality to kind of take us up to that next level where we don't get undone by a couple injuries in the same game. Um, So I think we're doing that, you know, uh, a summer transfer window of Rice, Havertz, Timber, maybe one other player, um, you know, of of comparable ability. I think that's um, an insanely good finish. But on top of that, the other thing I want is optionality because you know I've kind of been bra- I've been banging this drum for a little bit in terms of you shouldn't ever aim to build a team that's just two different elevens. You should always try to have, you know, a group of I don't know, anywhere between 17 and 19 players who, you know, can play multiple different roles so that, you know, they're they're all playing a good amount of games, they're all re- they're all fresh. Um, they're all rotating in and out of the side so that if one player goes down, you have multiple options to replace them. And it's not just one guy in a pecking order who may or may not be equipped to play the, the way that you need them to in a specific match. So, you know, to bring in Timber, to have him as an option next to white, um, you know, in addition to white, sorry, to, to have him as an option at left back, to have maybe as an option at center back. I, you know, I think he's only six feet tall, so I'm not sure how that work. I mean he could do it but anyway um yeah you know to to have to have someone like timber to have someone like rice who can play you know as that left side at 8 as at 6 to have someone like havertz who can play as left side at 8 as a center forward as a right wing um you know that that makes us unpredictable that makes us um you know more adaptable to to issues and to injuries and to setbacks so yeah, I'm. I'm really excited about you know all of those transfers and and Timber's just another um, another one of those excellent moves. But yeah, yeah. Sorry, were you gonna say something?
2: Oh no, I, I just wanted to say that I agreed completely about like the adaptability part. Like, I cannot emphasize that enough. Like, I know we have mentioned that a lot, but like, I think we're going to see next this season. Arteta using the squad a lot more. I think one of the criticisms of Arteta's management is that he's not managed the squad well enough. But I think once he gets his personal in, I think we will see us rotate more. And I also think that will be good for the fatigue of the players. Because remember, we're playing Champions League and the Premier League. It's going to be two really intense matches every week. And we're not there in the Champions League just for the vibes. We actually want to do well in it. So (laughs) yeah, I think having this big squad with adaptable players yeah super excited like I think it's the strongest arsenal squad we'll have since I don't know when probably even since they're invincible so exciting times ahead
0: yeah and um shit I was gonna say something and I forgot entirely oh that's not great anyway um yeah I oh the, now I remember what I was gonna say I, I I want I want the team to just kind of feel like um you know, one of those liquid Terminators from one of the later Terminator movies. I never watched any of them, but I've seen plenty of, like, trailers and stuff. I just wanted to feel like, you know, if we get an arm chopped off or something, then it just grows back and we just have, you know, another player coming in who can, um, you know, deliver at that level or, you know, maybe slightly lower, at least something comparable. And I think, you know, a trap that we fell into so many times over the last couple of years is we would you know, run a player into the ground because they are the only guy who could do what Arteta needed them to at that position and then once that player got injured or they're unavailable we would turn to someone who, you know, again, was just unequipped to play that role and didn't have the quality, didn't have the attributes or the traits. So, you know, it's it's um it's really really encouraging to see us very purposefully building the squad in in that manner. But um, with all these incomings, it's only natural that we're going to have a few outcomings or outgoings as well. And one that's been reported more often over the last few days has been, um, you know, these links from Juventus and a few Saudi clubs to Thomas party. And, you know, there's even, um, there's even a report going around that party has apparently been offered a hundred million euros per season, which is an absolutely insane payout. Um, you know, so it's already pretty certain that Jack is going to take off. Uh, Freddie, I want I want to turn this question to you first. You know, with with Jack pretty much set to leave, do you think we should allow Party to go in the same summer? Um, you know, if if we're going to get 30, 40 million for him, or should we try to keep him?
1: I mean, it's I understand people's sort of hesitancy to get rid of two of our most experienced players at the same time but i also think that we can't have it both ways we've always been very sort of critical of arsenal for not being able to command fees fees for their players you know we, we often um end up losing players for free or having to pay them out of their contracts or whatever and so this is the opportunity with no new talks uh for a new deal for, for party then this is the opportunity to sell him i think um it's also very clear that that Arteta is not fully convinced by him I think he obviously likes him as a player but I think he has a lot of frustrations with Thomas Partey as we all probably do where you know he started the season like an absolute machine, This uh, the season just gone, everybody was really excited we're like yes we're getting the real Thomas Partey now and then you, you think back to certain games I think you mentioned earlier Southampton and there was I think West Ham as well where he made a really bad mistake and and then he lost his place in the team and, and, and I think Arteta was just really frustrated that he'd sort of defaulted to the Thomas Partey that we'd seen uh, throughout the rest of his time at Arsenal where he was largely very very inconsistent and just you know obviously injuries and stuff have played their part so I think that this is one where we can command a good fee it's going to enable us to um, you know hopefully spend in in other areas and just sort of soften that blow because we're looking to spend quite a bit of money and I think that you know with Declan Rice hopefully coming in and, and Havertz also coming in um, I, I do think that that those and obviously we discussed where we think we're going to see Havertz play, which is the the Shaka replacement, and obviously Rice would 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 replace Party. So I, I think it for me it makes sense. Also, if you if you think to the fact that we've got Jorginho, who is expected to stay. Um, He sort of softens the blow in terms of experience as well. He's somebody who, um, as Sash rightly said earlier, allows us to sort of transition into this new era of a new midfield. Um, He's somebody that can be relied upon from an experience standpoint. and I just think that for me it's not too much of a worry. I know that Arsenal's midfield was really effective this season. It was one of our key um, you know areas that we were successful and that was largely because party had actually sort of showed up for a lot of it, which he hadn't before and also Shaka um, um, you know had a sort of revolutionary season. But again, to come back to something that Sash said earlier, Declan Rice has brilliant leadership qualities. Does Thomas Party really have that despite the fact that he's experienced? I wouldn't be worried about losing him if Rice comes in especially to get a fee so in short um for me not a concern
0: Yeah I um I I really I really agree with that especially with the the leadership um aspect of that you know I think because I have seen people talk about party as you know a presence in the locker room and I I don't know where people are getting that to be quite honest you know he seems like you know, he is really experienced, but uh, at at Atletico Madrid he you know, he wasn't exactly um a, a locker room guy there either. Um wasn't really a leader there. And at an Arsenal, even though he might be, you know, one of the elders, one of the veterans here, you know, he just doesn't really seem to have that presence either. And also frankly, in my opinion, I think loses composure quite a bit on the pitch. Um, you know, when things may be it a little rocky or or a little difficult so you know for for me personally there's there's the availability issues where you know he just on a regular basis will miss pretty crucial games Um, and then you know I think there's you know there's again those composure issues where um, he's not the guy that you want to be relying on when things get tough and And yeah, I I, I completely agree where it seems Arteta's maybe lost a bit of faith in him. Um, Especially, you know, if you go back to the end of this past season, Jorginho starting over him a few times I think was pretty instructive in that regard. Um, Especially for the Newcastle game. Because I think think a lot of us would have wanted to pick party to deal with that physical um, you know, that physical threat, that ability in transition from Newcastle. So the fact that Arteta went and Jorginho instead to aim to control the game, control possession. Um, you know, I think I they think said a lot about how Arteta wanted to approach the game, but also a lot about, you know, maybe his thoughts on party at the time. So, you know, we're entering a point where I think party's going to be 31 by the end of the summer. Um, I would say he's probably post-prime at this point based on how this past season ended. So if someone wants to come in and hand us 30, 40 million for him and take that wage off of our hands, um, I don't, I don't understand why you would stand in the way of that, especially when, again, you, you have a guy like Declan Rice coming in to play that role when, you know, you have Kai Havertz coming in to play that left eight position. So, you know, you're not really worried about losing the numbers and, you know, we've, we've been linked to Kai Sato. We've been linked to Romeo Lavia. So I think there might be one more coming in behind Rice. Um, yeah, so I, I I think I think it's kind of a win win um, for us to just let let party move on at a pretty good moment for him to do so. But uh, Sash, what are what are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, no, I, I can't agree more. Especially like the thing with parties, he's been unreliable like from a fitness point of view for every season he's been here. And I think players that are unreliable fitness wise cannot be trusted. You know, like like. In the last few seasons we mainly were focusing on the Premier League. I know we had some Europa League games, but like this season we're also going to play Champions League. So when Thomas Partey has shown poor fitness levels for the last 3 seasons playing just Premier League, what's the guarantee that he's going to survive a season with like over 50 competitive games being played? And I think this is where Rodri is like better than Partey. Like he's so available, like he's been playing Each and every single game that City have had virtually, FA Cup, Premier League, Champions League, uh, without like breaking a sweat. And I think that's what we want. And Declan Rice, maybe he's going to get cursed because every player who comes to Arsenal seems to get injured. But at least until now in his career, he's shown impeccable fitness levels in terms of his availability. So I think the first thing is availability. The second thing is, I think with Thomas Partey, like there has been a physical decline. Like i've just seen it like since like february march april like i've seen that he's not like running back like the way he used to maybe like a year ago like i just feel like he does not have the legs anymore i felt this was really evident in the game against anfield when he was getting bypassed for fun even the city game he was like he was like jogging back i don't even think it's because of attitude i just think like i don't know he's not able to like maintain like that intensity over 90 minutes. I know people will show me that clip where he tracked back Antony in the game against United and they'll be like, look at his acceleration. I'm like, yeah, that might be true. But is he able to maintain this over 90 minutes? Like, I feel like he tires very easily. And I think even Arteta has seen it. And finally, even in terms of controlling a game, like I think there are a few players in the world that can break lines the way Thomas Partey can, like on the ball. He's just delightful the way he can thread the ball and break the lines and pick out a pass. But I also think that in terms of a midfielder controlling a game of football, there's it's more than just playing that pass that breaks the lines. Sometimes you need to know when to slow it down. You cannot always go 200 miles an hour. And I think this is why Jorginho is way more intelligent than Thomas Partey on the ball because he knows when to go vertical. He knows when to keep it. Um, and I think Arteta prefers that, a player who can control the tempo uh, as opposed to someone that is capable of doing something incredible, but in certain crucial moments of the game, maybe it's 2-1 of the 68 minutes and we just need to keep the ball. Thomas Party has shown that he's not really capable of doing that because for him, he's very one-paced. So yeah, I think it has its advantages, but I think as we evolve, Arteta wants a change over there. And when you put all of these things together, what you see is a player that is sellable. Like I totally get it. Like in the short term, when you have Shaka and Party who've played a instrumental role in in Arsenal having a pretty good season. Like I think 84 points is the highest we've managed since the invincible season. I know there's always certain people who'll be like, ah, oh, why are we changing things too soon? and things like that. But I think we're being really adventurous. And I think we always wanted a manager who can make the ruthless decisions. And Arteta has shown that he is the coach to do that. Like he literally froze out the club captain in the middle of the season. So like he is capable of doing that. And, you know, we're getting what we wanted. So let's also show that, yeah, we can also be ruthless as a fan base in terms of moving on from players, not being too attached to them as much as we might like some of them. And this is all for the greater good. So we're signing Declan Rice, who I think is categorically an upgrade on Granite Shaka. Maybe in terms of him being an upgrade on Thomas Party, there are certain elements that Declan Rice still has to show. But as Freddie said, I think people underestimate his technical qualities a lot, and I think we will see that in a better system that he is a better footballer than Thomas Party is. But one thing is for sure: if Shaka and Party both leave we need to bring in a proper replacement like i don't think signing just rice would be uh, sufficient i think we have to bring in another ideally it should be someone like caicedo uh, but if it's not caicedo at least lavia someone we have to bring in uh, with potential who is able to um, give us that extra depth in that position but no i'm totally open to letting thomas Party and granite shaka going i know it's it might have some short term impact maybe in a few games uh, but yeah, I think the theme of this project has been a little bit of short-term pain for long-term gain. And that's what we're going to do, I think, now. So Sham totally agree that you have to like I think be ruthless. Um and yeah, get the next generation of midfielders in. Trim the age of our midfield down. Because we also have Jorginho and El Nenny who are also in, in their thirties. So yeah, let's refresh this midfield. And I'm really excited for the midfield rebuild because I think it's been long overdue and Arteta's prioritizing that this uh, summer. So super excited.
0: Yeah. And um, I think it's a really good point on that, um, you know, on kind of like the age of the midfield and the fact that we need a bit of a, a rebuild there. Cause again, Jack is in his thirties, uh, parties in his thirties, you know, They're I think there are great players right now, but you're, you're hitting a point where there's the rest of this team is pretty young. And, you want to avoid. Um, actually, let me, let me rephrase. You want to have the team entering their prime all at the same time. Um, you know that's, or at least that's that's preferred. I think that's how you kind of get your maximum odds of um, you know this project culminating in something. So to have a midfield of Rice, Havertz, Odegaard, average age is twenty four. Um, you know, I, I, I think I think that's a really good move, good strategy, and it just kind of freshens things up in that regard.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Could not agree more. I think I think that we're having a lot of players who are not too young, but they are in this range of like twenty-four to twenty-seven. I think that's how Liverpool won the Premier League and Champions League as well. So yeah, we're all they're all growing together as well. They've been through some hard times, so mentally they have been through adversity, and I think we're entering a really exciting phase of this project now. And I think all the pain that we have endured for the last, I don't know, 15 to 20 years, I think uh, it's going to be worth it because I think we're going to do some really special things. So on that note, it's been a really interesting podcast to have this chat with both of you on our various transfer targets and how our project is shaping. I'm going to put you both on the spot now and starting with Freddie, what mm-hmm. is your transfer window prediction? Like you have to tell me the players you think they're going to sign this window in your opinion
1: oh the aggregators are gonna love this aren't they um I, they're gonna take no. it out
2: of context as well and <laughs> post it like you reported it that'll be funny yeah the
1: daily daily mail will be all over it um no, I, I think i think um i think we'll end up with rice timber Havertz, and another midfielder i i, I do um the other midfielder, I don't think is going to be Caicedo. I think it's. In fact, I, I'm not even sure it's going to be Lavia because I think that's going to be quite expensive. Um, but if I were to, yeah, I, I would have to say out of the targets that have been reported so far, it would be Lavia. But let's see what happens there. I think that's probably the last deal that would get done out of the ones that I just mentioned. So that's that's mine.
2: You don't see us getting a winger.
1: I'm not sure. I, I don't. I don't think so. Okay. Okay.
2: Sham.
0: Rice, Havertz, Timber. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rice, Havertz, Timber. Man, I, mean, I want to say Caicedo so badly, but that's just a pipe dream right now. Um. Mm-hmm. I think we'll get Lavia, but okay. but if we don't get Lavia, I think we'll get. Uh, zuby scooby mendy Um, okay okay he has a release
2: class as well so it should be pretty straightforward to do
0: uh you know i think i think that's a nice way to end to to end the transfer window just let it go to the final day and pay the release (laughs) clause everything wrapped up
2: yeah we know how to pay a release class at la liga headquarters on deadline day don't we (laughs) we've done that before um
0: why not for old
2: time's sake yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I kind of agree with you guys. Like, I think Rice, Havertz, for sure. Um, and uh, who's the other guy? He's Havertz. Timber. Timber, Timber. Yeah, Timber. And I think we're actually going to sign a winger. I think we're going to bring in Musa Diaby. And I just have this feeling like that. that we're going to get in this wide player. I think Arteta has been lurking for a guy who can not replace Saka, but can fill in for Saka when... Saka's is not available. We obviously had that failed bid with Rafinha last summer because he was so hell-bent on going to Barcelona. But I think this summer we will get in a white player and I think it will be Timber. We also missed out on Mudrik in January. So something tells me, because the club tried to bring in a white player actively in the last two transfer windows, that we will um, end up with someone this window. And I think it's going to be Diaby because I think we have pretty good relations with Leverkusen. We've been interested in the player, We're giving them Xhaka, Arteta and Alonso, our childhood besties. So hopefully, yeah, they can just give us Diaby as a thank you for Shaka.
0: I I hope you're right. Although, man, Diaby would be so pricey, but if, if if we can get that done, I wouldn't say no to it.
2: It's just 70 million, man. Daddy Stanley <laughs> has a plan for us. It's just another Havertz. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's 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 easy. Josh Kroenke has all the money. He's taken all the pocket money from Stan and <laughs> investing it for us. And so yeah.
0: <laughs> oh man. Okay. Well, I think that's uh that's a pretty good place to, to call it for this week. Um, you know, it's it, it's been it's been a really, really fun chat, uh, you know, Sash and Freddie and um, yeah, I mean i Again, I think it's just so encouraging to see what a big summer we're trying to set ourselves up to have. And, um, you know, if these transfers go through, if, if Rice and Havertz and Timber and, you know, whether it's Lavia or Zubimendi or, or, um, uh, or Diaby or Mbappe, you know, one of those guys. Um, Mbappe was a joke, by the way um yeah (laughs) do you see that fake psg itk page by the way saying that
2: arsenal made a 150 million
0: yesterday that was hilarious that's that's one thing about arsenal i'm never going to believe until it actually happens which is like we will go (laughs) sign the best player in the world for 200 million or something like that that's Um, the next
2: step isn't it
0: yeah i i know we're spending more these days but i think we still try to be smart about it um but yeah, it's um, it's been it's been a really fun uh, fun chat, Freddie. Thank you so much for you know for taking the time and um, you know coming on here to you know talk about transfers, talk about the the collective Arsenal head loss. Um, it's been a lot of fun.
1: <laughs> yeah, thanks
0: very much for having me, guys. I enjoyed it. And um, if uh, if you want to follow Freddie, you can do so at. Is it just at Freddie Paxton?
1: I think it's Freddie underscore Paxton.
0: Yes, it is at Freddie underscore Paxton. Thank you for buying me time while I <laughs> looked up your Twitter profile. Uh, I never remember people's handles, so um, yeah. Anyway, again, um, you can follow Freddie at Freddie underscore Paxton. Uh, like I said before, he's he's been featured in Guardian, Time, Sport, Four Four Two, ESPN, um, and um, you know, really, really fun follow. Um, also, um, I miss those spaces I used to put on Freddie. Those were those were always a good time.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm actually like having to sort of straddle a lot of, of different things at the moment. So so the, the football stuff has um, has unfortunately had to come second recently. But perhaps we could reignite a couple of those spaces over the summer and maybe try to rile up some West Ham fans when we sign their best ever player.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we adding West Ham Central to that space and roasting him. I'm not too yeah, let's, let's
1: go for him. Sash, let's go for him. Let's let's crucify the
0: guy. <laughs> I know Raph is already going for him. Um, yeah, well, i um, looking forward to it. If, uh, if it happens, uh, I will be there for sure. And um, yeah, uh, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Shamsdale. You can follow Sash at LT Arsenal. You can follow the pod at This Week Arsenal. Um, you can check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Be sure to, you know, uh, give us a review. Leave the you know leave the five stars. Tell your friends. Share all that good stuff. Uh, we will be back next weekend, uh, hopefully with another illustrious guest. Um, although I doubt it will be as illustrious as Freddie has been today. And um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, thank you so much for for being here with us and uh, you know listening to us uh, talk about talk about Arsenal, talk about some football. And uh, yeah, so hopefully we will be back to you after at least Rice and Havertz get announced as Arsenal players, fingers crossed. Until then, talk to you soon.